Oh, sorry, Spags. I've completely <laughs> forgot I'm the one who normally does the cold open. We're here for Splash Play on a Friday morning, and we're handing out rewards. Rewards or awards, Spags? What are we doing today? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. We're at the halfway point of the real NFL season, so we're going to give away some fantasy football midseason awards. The first ever Splashies, the most prestigious award show ever brought to you on a YouTube channel halfway through the NFL season. Of course, it's also week 10, so we got to do our week 10 ride or die picks and underdog battle royale. All of that awaits right after this intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, that intro was pure electricity, both of us staring to the camera blankly. That's what people come to this channel looking for. Yeah, it's not my finest moment. I'll be honest, I was dropping the link in the uh, Deposit Kingdom uh, live stream channel to let people we were know going live. And what did I do? I sacrificed the opening uh, itself just for that promotion. I've turned into you, Spags, just shamelessly shilling and sacrificing the content in the process. Honestly, I've been having a hard time with intros lately. Like, I know the cold <laughs> open is a thing that Pete made us do early on, like intelligently, because that's a way you keep people watching a YouTube video. And sometimes, Pete, like, I think, like, oh, I want to say this through it, but then don't actually fashion it out in my head. And then I'm just like rambling and going, intro. And then that's how it goes. So you're in good company with me on this channel. Uh, yeah, no, we're going to, we're going to pick it up. We got off to a slow start here. Uh, but these Friday shows, we always bring the heat. I feel like such a boomer when I say this, but it's like every week goes by so fucking fast right now. I, it, it's insane. Yeah, you are you are on not death's door. You're on life's door, in fact. With, <laughs> with your, but you're door. gonna feel like death every day, like I feel like. But um, we are. Is any inklings so far about if the if the little girl will be coming earlier on time? How's that looking for you? I think Lauren was going to an appointment this morning. I think we're all you know. Uh, uh, on schedule haven't heard anything uh to say or indicate why we wouldn't be but basically i think what they've told her is that like once you're about two weeks out like kind of all bets are off and so we're about to enter that kind of window in that uh it could happen at any time so that's both terrifying and exciting yeah obviously it's gonna be a lot worse for lauren but the stress on the dads are something that i think deserves you guys hitting the like button for pete right now but also <laughs> for pete just so you're Don't try to pawn pawn my uh my impending struggles as a parent off for likes my god well, I remember the last two weeks before Alex had Luca where it was just like us around the house and me being like, oh shit, like I might have to drive at 1130. So I have to like, yeah. if I'm smoking weed, if I'm having a beer, it's like everything has to be leveled out the right way because you don't want to be too far. And basically becomes you on just nonstop watching the clock, having to be ready to jump into duty at any moment. And I feel like for a dad, you know, we don't get the credit, Pete, but that's a very stressful part of fatherhood. Well, luckily I'm doing literally nothing important ever, so I can just leave anything I'm doing at a moment's notice and it will all be okay. Well, here, here guys, as Pete requested from all of you, please make sure to subscribe, like, and comment to the channel. Of course, that's the only way he's going to feel ready to be a father here in the coming weeks. So please do that right now on the channel. Uh, content coming from me Monday through Thursday at 2 p.m. Now it's all fantasy football content. I won't try to force NBA content down your throats. And a lot of success yesterday in the showdown, Pete. Actually, LaVisca Chenault makes a showdown winning lineup, which is something none of us could have foreseen a few months ago, years ago, any point in his career, really. 
Um, you know, well, some of us foresaw it because we played him in, in some of our lineups and by in some of them, I mean, 4% of our 150 lineups, but, uh, you know, we were, he was in the player pool. Uh, yeah, we, we had seen him do it earlier. We had the infamous Spanish radio broadcast call on him taking one of those other, I forget if it was a, a check down or an end around to the house. So this is within his range of outcomes. It was an otherwise absolutely disgusting game. Mm-hmm. I would say Spags, I have. I'm like pretty emotionally detached from like how I sweat and tilt football for the most part. Like, obviously if I have a guy I need, you know, on a Sunday and he's going to get me to min cash, I'm like sweating that, but just like conceptually tilting a player like Kyle Pitts has broken me as far as watching him, because it does seem like everything is such a near miss with him. Like air yards can't even encapsulate just how snake bitten he is with his quarterback, with Arthur Smith, with balls being just like four inches away from being caught. I, I'm, he just puts me on rabid tilt. I mean, he's in terms of usage at tight end, like he's gotten targets more than anybody else. In the position besides Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, the usual suspects you'd expect there. Deep targets as well. He leads that category. So he's certainly a guy that it feels close every week. And I think at this point, Pete, after we saw what you know what happened in that game yesterday, I feel like his only shot to salvage value down the home stretch is for them to play Ritter and to see what he does because Ritter will sling it, and I think what Ritter will get out there will get in space more. Mariota to me, I just think I think the Mariota thing is kind of done. Yeah, um, it's it's rough out there. I, the thing is, is like, I want like I was I was the guy taking Ritter at the end of all my drafts, and not Mariota. I've been I always want to see like the black box, like give me the rookie, let's just see what they have. But I also just know how it's going to go. Right, it's going to look like Malik Willis subbing in for Tannehill, right? Where Arthur Smith is going to be even less prone than Vrabel to let him throw. And Vrabel's not letting Malik Willis throw at all. So you're going to have him. Yeah, he could probably scramble a little bit like Mariota. But, like, what is going to be the difference? Like, if the coach doesn't let the quarterback throw, like, what is what is Ritter even going to be able to do compared to Mariota? Yeah, and I think that's it's certainly a reasonable take to have. I guess I would hope just down the home stretch with the season doesn't matter as much. Like right now, the Falcons could still win the NFC South, and that was something I thought would be the way that Mariota holds on to the job. And you can make the case too with some of the games they've been competitive in, where one lucky break, one lucky touchdown, one lucky field goal, and they would actually have up. Keep talking, Spags. <laughs> no, because I'll get yelled at in the chat afterwards. Oh, oh. Shit. I'm spilling coffee all over me. How does this always happen? Just wait uh, until you're doing the overnight shift, Pete, and you got to make that pour for yourself, and it's going to be splashing hot coffee on yourself like an elder lady at McDonald's. God, I'm tilted. On, this is just a – I botched the cold open. I spill coffee all over myself. I don't even know how that happened. Uh, we're in a good position here, guys. Again, hit that like button. Let's talk about some news before we get into the Splashies, the most prestigious award given out for fantasy football accomplishments at the halfway point of the NFL season. Pete, Josh Allen has not practiced with his, his UCL injury uh, in baseball. If you are a baseball fan, uh, basically the equivalent of a Tommy John injury. Uh, they're playing Minnesota this week. It feels like maybe he's trending towards being out, which would mean a Case Keenum start. But if you had to place your bets on this one, does Josh Allen go or not go versus Minnesota? Yeah, the only thing that I've been really kind of trusting is what the line has been. And, you know, they opened up as seven and a half point favorites, and now it's down to three and a half. So to me, you know, they're they're a home team. It's basically saying that they would be neutral or, uh, or, or uh, a pick them on a neutral field 
Uh, so I'm working under the assumption that Josh Allen isn't going to play this week. There was also uh, a quote, I believe they were interviewing Isaiah McKenzie in the locker room and they're like, so what's it like, you know, Josh Allen at practice. And he's like, yeah, he's practically a coach. You know, he's back there. He's barking everything on the sideline. It's really cool to see him in that role. And it's just like, all right, coaches don't play. Uh, this seems very unlikely if Josh Allen is just there barking on the sidelines that he's actually going to suit up this weekend. Yeah, it is a 43-point total in that game with Minnesota at Buffalo, which is down five and a half points at the start of the week. So it does seem like Josh Allen trending towards not playing. It seems like you want to save him here. I honestly think this kind of injury, like it could be a really long-term one for baseball players. It's usually a one-year injury. Obviously, they're throwing 100 miles per hour, which Josh Allen doesn't have to do. But him unleashing a 65-yard bomb while hurting his elbow in that same play seems like maybe he can push through if he wants. It's just how do you manage the risk profile of your star QB? So we'll see, but it does seem like he's likely not to play Matthew Stafford also not practicing concussion protocol for him before they play Arizona do you have any care for this one or any other injuries out there Pete I feel like it's a pretty slow injury week despite it being so late in the NFL season I know I feel like a dick saying this but does like a Matthew Stafford injury I mean it basically impacts no one but people who have Cooper Cup in their season-long leagues right because like no one in DFS even with Matthew Stafford is wanting to pay you know what is it 9k 9100 for Cooper Cup this week and no one's playing anyone else from this offense. You don't want to touch this team with a 10-foot pole. I guess we have like a small candle on for Kyron Williams when he comes back. There were some quotes from Jordan Rodriguez in the athletics saying that he's going to have a big role once he comes back. But I just, it's so hard to get excited about this offense. And I kind of am glad that we're not getting teased into playing the Cardinals. Like, I feel like the Cardinals have been the fraud shootout team where every week we convince ourselves, oh, the Cardinals can get in a shootout. And now Vegas is like, we're done with this bullshit. This game has a 40 and a half over under. And I'm just excited to have zero pieces of this game. Um, I'm going to fade Rondell more chalk and I, I just want none of it. But that rat-looking uh, John Walford might be starting, which <laughs> opened things up a little bit. Arizona shut down wide receiver ones all year long, and I've seen Cooper Cup touted a little bit across the industry this week. And whether it's Stafford or Walford going, maybe Walford does make the offense bounce a little bit higher. He has been a guy a little more mobile than Stafford, can get the ball downfield, even though he is a short backup QB that has the same flaws as any short backup QB in the league. But I feel like with Cup in this spot, like he felt like a trap anyway, and I'm kind of bummed that he won't be a 20% owned trap instead of a 10% owned trap. Yeah, I know. It is funny you, you say that, too, because I would have assumed no one was getting up to him. But then I was running some of the optimal lineups yesterday just with like a first pass with projections all out. And Cooper Cup was showing up in optimal lineups, which seems crazy to me because I just assume people are going to rather play Tyree Kill, rather play Justin Jefferson up there, uh, maybe even Devontae Adams, uh, now that all the targets have fully cleared out. But yeah, I, I didn't think people were going to be clicking on him anyways. I think it was one of those classic, like the math says that Cooper Cup's your best bang for your buck up here as far as the ceiling. But I can't imagine hand builders clicking Cooper Cup this week. Any other injuries that you care about? If like Darren Waller hitting the IR, not great. I don't know that that matters that much at this point. I, I guess I hope he comes back before week 17, but we'll see how that goes with an old guy and a hamstring issue. Uh, but anything else injury-wise for you that you want to talk about? Um, one notable thing is just Jonathan Taylor's been back at practice and Deion Jackson has actually not been practicing. So, and the team also just released, uh, Philip Lindsay. So I, I mean, are they going to give Jonathan Taylor 25 plus touches here? Uh, they might. Uh, so that's one I'm keeping, keeping tabs on. Jonathan Taylor, perhaps a guy who will make an appearance coming up in this segment, the Splashies. Before we do, Pete, I feel like I have to point out Mathology here saying, makes my nut hair tingle when I hear the coffee pour. So that's why I step out of the way for the Mathologies of the world who need a good tingling in his nut hairs. <laughs>
Yeah, that's what we I actually did you see the uh, I should pull this up because Brian tagged me. Uh did you see the tweet uh Brick tagged me in yesterday? No, I did this not. YouTuber. Uh let me I'm gonna share my screen here. Uh this uh Brian says I'm getting out work. There's a guy here, Devo ASMR, who's doing fantasy football recaps as ASMR. Nine minutes and eighteen seconds here. So I don't know. Do I have a turf battle as far as, I mean, this guy does entire shows. I just do a coffee pour, but it seems like there's 482 people watch this. That's like probably more than they're going to end up watching this bag. There's clearly a demand out here for this kind of content. Well, that's why I'm trying to get the algorithm right on the channel. I was talking to Pete before the show, but I said this years ago that we should do an OnlyFans fantasy football show where we talk in baby voices and do this. ASMR, the same thing. Anything, Pete, that's vaguely fetishy but still does content, I think is an untapped resource. So, yeah, I feel like you you don't whisper during entire shows. You pour coffee. You talk into the mic and all that. This guy's probably just going, mm, play Jonathan Taylor this week, and it's erotic and somebody's jerking off to it. I'll be sure I can I can come up with a number for you and football outsiders of what it would take for me to talk like that for an entire show. I'll get that uh, across your desk and then you guys can make a financial decision if that's worth it for you. Oh, here we go. So Lunchable Connoisseur, one of our regulars, will buy a topless spags and Pete calendar. Do you want to dress up like a hunky fireman and give fantasy football advice on a calendar? Um, yeah, I mean, come off season, we're going to be down bad. We're going to have to be thinking of lots of things. Like once I start to realize my expenses as a, as a father, uh, I'm sure desperate times are going to call for desperate measures. Yeah. Well, you're gonna have to win some more showdowns, Pete. That's the way that it's going to go for all of this. Either way, it's time for the splashies. And after I pull this comment down, the most prestigious award given out at the halfway point of the fantasy football season. And Pete, I'm excited for this one. As you can tell, I showed Pete before the show. I even did graphics for this one. But here's the way we're going to do this, Pete. You're going to give your take for the awards that I pull up on the screen. And then I will read the official one courtesy of this envelope here that the committee voted on right beforehand. Uh, very important ballots were placed feet for things like most valuable player in the splashies. Um, I I'm impressed bags. I feel, you know, you did far more work for this bit than, than me. Uh, but that's, I, I appreciate you for that. Well, look, here's the thing, though. This is not, to be clear, I'll let you guys in on the bit. This is not actually in a voting committee that went on. This is, in fact, a card I got from Alex for my birthday. Happy birthday to my otter half. Oh, I like that. <laughs> uh, because Luca has a stuffed otter that he sleeps with every night. So that's the the in reference there. But Pete, who would be your fantasy MVP for this halfway point of the season? Yeah, I mean, so I feel like just like the NFL deals with, it really comes down to how you define MVP and do we want to cost adjust it for relative draft position. But I'm going to go by the letter of the law, like the guy I want in my starting lineup every single week, no questions asked, and that's Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's the guy that gives you this insane floor, this insane ceiling. The Dolphins are one of the few teams, too, that just seem to play in shootouts each and every week. I think he is the fantasy MVP through nine weeks. I think that's a pretty good take, but the official take here, as I pull it out, read through it, looks like the MVP is, in fact, Austin Eckler. 28% of his team's total yardage, half of their offensive touchdowns on the year. He made the thumbnail. The committee chimed in before the show and said, hey, put him on the thumbnail. He's a key player here. But I think, Pete, for me, the main thing is, like, I love Tyreek Hill, too. Glad I got him. I kind of talked myself out of him like a lot of the industry did because of the new offense, the age, all that stuff. But I feel like he's a credible take. The one thing, though, Pete and I are both zero RB guys. There is nobody who has made me feel the pangs of regret about 
being a zero RB guy more than Austin Eckler every week where he's exploding for 40 fantasy points, 50 fantasy points, even on his down days, he's putting up 20 and change. Like to me, he's the guy that I feel remorse about avoiding running backs in the first round. So um, he probably got steamed up a little bit too highly, Pete, but compared to some of those other guys who went ahead of him, I feel like Austin Eckler, I feel like it's hard to dispute that he'd be a personal MVP. Yeah, I'm just, I wish I could show, you know, the August version of Spags, this MVP ballot, you know, you would be laughing, calling future Spags a running back pig. Um, you'd be making references to a flock, I'm sure. Um, and uh, yeah, just how quickly things change. This is me and Austin Eckler right in his butthole, just sniffing it up, snorting it. <laughs> <laughs> loving that running back aesthetic. But Pete, the but LVP. I will, I will oh, just yeah. say that again, just to like push back a little bit, obviously Austin Eckler, has been awesome but again like when you think rest of season and in like how down bad the chargers are injury rise without mike williams and without keenan allen like i do worry about them just having games where they flop and it's like even if he's catching six to seven balls and he has a really nice floor i just think that ceiling could get really hard for him to reliably hit if that team just isn't as good as we hope they'd be Okay. I think if anything, to me, they're going to rely on him even more with no Mike Williams out there, Keenan Allen all hurt, you know, Josh Palmer, we saw the nice day, but it's still at the end of the day, they get the red zone touches, Austin Eckler, maybe not enough goal line touches, but uh, I think you're right. There's some risk with Spiller being back in the mix as well. But I feel like to me, I'm just envious of Austin Eckler and him just being able to rely on him every week. LVP though, Pete, I think is going to be, well, there's actually a lot of candidates you can go to here, but who would be your LVP, your least valuable player through the halfway point? I mean, Honestly, it I think it I know a lot of people are beating the drum for Jonathan Taylor being a bust. Um, I'm not ready to necessarily I mean he's a bust relative to his draft cost, but I think he could still be useful down the stretch if they don't shut him down. The easy, safe answer is to say Najee Harris, but the one that I actually feel deep in my soul is Kyle Pitts, a guy who I was mm. just hammering in the early third round i know you were as well i was chasing the steam i was like a pretty emotionally detached adp slave for most of the season and i got caught up in kyle pitt's euphoria in the final week i was like back into the second round fuck it he's not coming back we're taking kyle pitts um i have regrets with kyle pitts and i think it's hard the whole thesis of grabbing kyle pitts there is the positional advantage it gives you at tight end not only were you like passing on tyree kill in the late second to grab him you're getting crushed by the mark andrews and travis kelsey teams and you're getting crushed by everyone who waited and so i think it is by far the least valuable pick right now i think that's a fair way to look at it i would say a personal lvp would probably be kyle pitts but you made the right bet on talent on youth the consensus mvp or lvp pick though is going to in fact be jonathan taylor who went first overall he's only scored over 20 fantasy points in the first game of the year where he put up 30.5 against houston he's missed multiple games pete he's under 10 fantasy points in half his games played and i think the difference for this one too is that there was some variability on where pitts is getting drafted like there were times where we'd fall to the end of the third round maybe an early fourth times where he would go at the end of the you know end of the second round or mid-second but I think for Jonathan Taylor he was going top three everywhere so to me that's the differentiation point is that everybody took him everybody invested heavily in him and expected him to be the guy who could give you at least 20 fantasy points a game and he's barely even doing that so I think relative to draft capital he has to be the LVP yeah yeah well we will we will see too I feel like the jury's still out on you know how weak what's weird about this one is like yes certainly through this many weeks um I guess it's interesting to think who do we think of those guys is going to be the LVP like through the playoff stretch or could one of these guys rebound? I think it's just a little easier to say like, hey, they don't shut down Jonathan Taylor. 
you know, they just commit to running the ball 40 times a game and, and he finishes the season strong. Whereas like, what, what story do we tell ourselves with Kyle Pitts right now for weeks 15 through 17? Like maybe he gives us one spike week in there, but how is that dude giving us even two across a, a three week span? I mean, nobody's due for more deep ball positive regression than Kyle Pitts. That's what I could talk myself into. Whereas Taylor, if you're a tanking team and you have this asset at running back that could be a traded or it could be a guy who's a part of what you're doing moving forward. I, I know what you're saying with the injury news and cutting Philip Lindsay does seem like an odd move. Maybe there's a practice squad guy they call up, I think would be what I would expect out of the Colts. But I think for them, like, why would you trot this guy out there down the home stretch when you're not playing for anything? And, and Jeff Saturday, I think, is the one variable here where him coming in as head coach, because he seems like a guy, offensive lineman, like you think you want to establish. It. I think an offensive lineman is going to want to establish it as hard as anybody. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going through here. Of course, the rookie of the year, the rookie of the year, splashy, one of the most prestigious ones. Pete, who would be your pick for? I give the official one that the committee voted on. Yeah, I feel like this one has to be. Well, maybe it doesn't have to be. I think there's some conversations to be had, but I do think Kenneth Walker is mm. the rookie of the year. When you think about where his draft cost was going, there were a lot of people that one, didn't want to invest in him because of Rashad Penny, which actually was the more sound logic. But two, they were worried about the Seattle offense, yada, yada. But he cost-adjusted has been a total smash. I can't think of another rookie I'd rather have on my roster rest of season as well. Uh, it's sad because Brees Hall, I think, would have been neck and neck with Kenneth Walker for this award otherwise. And I could see some slappies caping for Damian Pierce or Chris Olave here, but ultimately... Kenneth Walker is that dude you feel good about in your lineup every single week. Well, bad news, Pete. The committee is slapped. He's decided, in fact, that Damian Pierce is your no, spot. get out of here. Stop it. 33.4% of his team's total yardage, 31% of their touchdowns, 100% of the rushing touchdowns for Damian Pierce. He edges Kenneth Walker largely due to a 34% avoided tackle rate that's higher than Walker. And I think, too, Pete, if you think about the fact that, like, Davis Mills is Damian Pierce's QB, Geno Smith, the guy that we all knew in the offseason was going to be slinging it around for Seattle, looking great out there. I mean, it's a, definitely a different pull there where defenses know what the Texans are going to do. Defenses think for Seattle, it's like, oh, they're going to throw it a lot more because that's what they've been doing. So I think that's the difference point to me. Damian Pierce, like on an island, you know, maybe he and Kenneth Walker are relatively the same talent point. But I think Kenneth Walker has had it easier and he missed those first few weeks, too. I mean, Kenneth Walker has uh, five points less than Damian Pierce, didn't play week one and was the backup running back through the first four weeks. He's done all of this in literally six weeks. I mean, come on, the, or five weeks. The selection committee is drunk. There is corruption. And I don't believe anything that happens henceforth. Nick asking, was there a way to vote on this, or are these results just Spag's opinion? There was a whole committee, Nick. I don't know if you heard. There was a tribunal. There were people elected. There was uh, Election Day was actually largely defined people to vote on this, Pete. That's if, what happened. If people want to pull behind the curtain, the text message I received at 7.54 a.m. Mid-season awards today, stuff like fantasy MVP, LVP, rookie of the year, etc. So um, this has been long in the works, everyone. <laughs> Sometimes that's how committees work. You get together, you get the group together. <laughs> it's out the round 18 MVP guys going to the round 18 of drafts or, you know, 17, 18, we'll say, um, I think there's some obvious candidates here. Some guys that have had the big spike weeks, the Mac Hollins is of the world. Pete, who would you want as your round 18 MVP? Well, I, I don't know if I'm just subjected to a little bit of recency bias, and you can probably find a guy who maybe started performing a little earlier, but the whole thesis of a round 18 pick is that they don't have opportunity necessarily right away. But let's go with Deontay Foreman. You know, he was the guy that people were drafting as CMC's handcuff, and it played out in a way where that broke right. 
Um, he's now had a couple of these most recent games over 30 plus carries looked awesome again, even with Chuba back in the lineup, which I think was the main concern for him. Um, I think he's going to be a legit, you know, league winner down the stretch at that basically free cost. Um, and he was basically going undrafted in a lot of leagues because people didn't know myself included. Is it going to be Chuba? Is it going to be Foreman? Um, I think he's a smash right now. I'll give you credit because I think you were caping for Deonta Foreman uh, pretty early on in the process as a guy that was just worth taking those flyers on. I certainly got there. I have a little bit more than the uh, expected 8% for him in best ball mania. But Pete, good news. The committee agrees. Deonta Foreman was really? barely drafted. Very okay. Good. Wow. The committee finally, even a blind squirrel, broken clock, all that jazz. Uh, three of his last four games of 20 fantasy points or more in good position to continue to benefit from this Panthers team being shockingly competitive and easy round 18 MVP, even though you can make the case for Matt Collins, you know, certainly some guys could have been there. Romeo dubs would have been a guy who could have gotten there. KJ Hamler, if you're worth anything, maybe could have gotten there, but instead, no, it is in fact a runaway victory for Deonta Foreman. Uh, second, or I guess one of our second to last awards, we got some technical awards. I would say just one other, you know, who should probably be in the mix. Like if you paired these two together on the same team, like Jeff Wilson and Deontay Mm. Foreman, because you were getting really uh, nice production from uh, Jeff Wilson there. And then he had a quiet stretch. um, And now I think he's going to finish hot again. But I I would say Jeff Wilson is a runner up there. Jeff Wilson stealing some Niners backfield work, seemingly going to steal a good amount of the Dolphins backfield, I think. And an offense is also pretty live as well. Definitely could be a guy that matters a lot more down the home stretch. Dust ball of the year, Pete. This is one where there's a lot of categories here. Dust ball to me has also always meant older players that are on the downside, but I know the ETR guys, your pal Levitan uses dust ball to mean just anybody who's not good. Uh, so oh, I'm actually curious how you're going to define this one, Pete, because it's a crucial award here in terms of the negative category of the splashies. Uh, I love this. I love this term. Um, and I feel like it's, it's like what they say about pornography. You know, it when you see it, like, I don't even think we need to define dust ball. It's just, you know what it is. And I do agree. It does tend toward an older player who's washed up, but I'm not afraid to call a younger, like Najee Harris is a dust ball. He's not going to win dust ball of the year award, but he is a dust ball. I will say the dust ball of the year award. And I don't even know if it's close based on where he was being drafted, how people thought of him. You throw in the age factor. Allen Robinson is the dust ball of the year. People were creaming themselves uh, to go draft him in the fourth round of drafts because Robert May said one nice thing about him at training camp, and the dude has been a total dust ball. I think that's fair. I'm going to go to a vintage one, one that I think will really fit the criteria people think for when they hear the phrase dust ball of the year. Aaron Rodgers, 68.8% on target rate, lower than luminaries like Bailey Zappi, Brett Rippon, and Mitch Trubisky, just ahead of guys like Carson Wentz, PJ Walker, Jacoby Brissett. We saw him last week disappoint in the Coors Field of NFL DFS matchups. I'm coining that. I'm saying that for the first time out loud. You play Detroit, it's like Coors Field. Nobody's come up with that analogy before. But I think in this spot for Aaron Rodgers, there's nothing is going right for him. I could see him being benched down the home stretch of the season. Uh, Jordan Love, certainly a guy the Packers have invested in. Uh, Rodgers' contract makes it tough, Pete, but I feel like in terms of the expectation, the chance to be a Super Bowl contender, none of that is happening, and and every he's got to throw everybody under the bus along the way as well. So that's pure dust ball criteria. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good one. Um, you obviously didn't uh, say, or you didn't have to spend quite as much, you know, on Rodgers as you did. So it's a little cost adjusted. Um, you know, even in best ball, if you're taking Rodgers, he was probably as your second quarterback. Um, so he hasn't burned you 
quite as much, but yeah, dude's a total dust ball. Our last official award here before we give a few technical awards away, just you know, kind of round it out with those. Maybe next year, Pete, who's going to be your guy? I feel like you mentioned somebody earlier on that will probably be the committee's choice, but who would be your choice that you're willing to get back on the horse next year? Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of these guys who it's, you know, a lost season. I mean, Brees Hall, I think, is should be a, I don't know, top seven, top eight pick next year in draft. Ooh. Basically, zero concern about him, assuming he comes back fully healthy and i mean i'm telling you right now we're we're i don't know what the falcons are going to do at the quarterback position next year maybe maybe ritter's ready to go but i will be ready to martingale kyle pitts by this time next year i promise you yeah i think the committee is actually placed to vote for kyle pitts again talking about the deep targets a guy getting over one deep target per game not catching that one deep target per game at any game at any point but still i think you got to get back on that horse there i would push back i don't think Brees hall is going coming off an acl tear he's not going first round he's like a late second rounder to me i mean you could say that you want that injury discount i'm just telling you underdog drafters are too sharp and these guys come back fully healthy from these injuries routinely now and he looks like probably the second most talented back in the league already so he he will and when you consider how gross the running back landscape's going to be at the top next year like when you think about the age premium people like derrick henry and dalvin cook those guys snuck into the first round this year like people are not going to feel as great about them with another year of work under their belt. I feel pretty confident Brees Hall will be a first-round pick. Yeah, Nick likes Kadarius Tony here. Could be the Chiefs wide receiver one. They certainly have gotten him involved already. And Justin, I'm not sure which one this is referring to, Pete, but he's saying if it isn't Sky Moore, these awards are fraudulent. Um, is that the dust ball of the year? Is that maybe next year? Hard to say for Sky. Uh, the awards committee redacted that name and will not be mentioning him for, I, I put on Twitter that uh, I'm excited for Sky Moore to score a 60 yard touchdown for the Texans on Thursday night football, two years from now. So maybe if we were doing the maybe next, next year awards, Sky Moore would top the list. And our technical awards surrounded out here. Uh, we have the showdown player of the year. Um, a lot of tough contenders here on the splash play show to go to this one. Pete, of course, finished first last Sunday. I finished first the week before, uh, but it's a top 30 ranked uh, Roto grinders player. It seems like one Chris Spags picks up showdown player of the year here, Pete. Wait, I thought you were talking about an NFL player when that was in the lineups. I'm no, no, it's, 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 a, it's, a, just, it's a technical award. Pete. It's for the people behind the scenes. If it's a technical award, then I'm giving it to Nerdy Tenor or Ricky D, these guys that are actually good at showdown and winning on a consistent basis. I thought Nerdy you were Tenor won uh, finished yesterday, and you could have beaten Nerdy Tenor's lineup if you played DJ Moore over PJ Walker. Those are the kind of things that drive me nuts because that would have been a solo unduped win, and it was right there for us, Pete. Yeah, I saw someone say there was 16 better lineups, like 16 more optimal lineups than the one that won uh, mm. last night. So there you go. I thought you were going to allow me to tout Tegan uh, Quitteriano here for Showdown Player of the Year, uh, but I guess not. No, nope. and the Splash Play Host of the Year Award, Pete, this is one the committee has been slaving over for a while. Uh, oh, apparently it's Pete Overzet. So <laughs> tough Splash Play Host of the Year. What an upset. I mean, <laughs> I am just essentially a guest co-host once a week on this channel that you are spearheading. You're pouring your blood, sweat, and tears into these daily streams, and I win. I mean, I feel, I honestly feel bad and guilty about it. I mean, look, it's tough. I get it. You know, the, the will of the people is at the end of the day what the committee cares about the most, and they voted you for Splash Play Host of the Year. So maybe next year for me, maybe next year. <laughs> well, you might be on the Skymore plan. Maybe, maybe next, next year. I thought year. about making it both me for both of them, but I felt like this is a nice way to show the love that I have for you, Pete, as my, as my well, co-patriot. Well, Spags, I'll tell you this. Um, 
I would gladly trade showdown player of the year award for you with you for uh, co-host of the year award. If it meant that I had a, a five figure win this year, I am, I am ahead of like a lot of really good DFS players on Roto grinders rankings for the month, which is hilarious to me. Like I'm ahead of shit, my money ahead of DeColts. I don't know. Not only stochastic guys, but it's like just one win Pete where I chopped it with 20 other people is enough to boost you up. And that's why Roto grinders rankings are a complete fraud. Well, Spags, let me just tell you as someone who also has been atop of the Roto Grinder DFS rankings before, once for League of Legends back in the throes of the pandemic, I will just say Pride does cometh before the fall. Um, I was famously top 30, and then a lot of better DFS players started playing the game, and I slid down the ranks. So I just want you to be careful. Uh, it's a cautionary tale for you. I was top 100 for a stretch because of my NBA wins, but yeah, like I, it's very fleeting, but the monthly rankings are funny though. And it's just like, oh cool. I won one tournament and now I'm, I'm suddenly right here with all these people that are charging lots of money for their opinions. And yet you get this here for free, Pete. Yeah. And you also get the splash play coast co-host of the year, uh, here for free as well. Every Friday at 9 55 uh, AM Eastern. I was one of the top two voted in that category. So that's. <laughs> important thing you did get way, a underdog time, guys underdog battle royale of course part of our ritual here on the show so please play along with us on underdog use that promo code splash any revenue that we get from that goes right back to this channel right back to privating a bunch of old videos in the hopes of making you see new ones uh, but please go use that promo code splash we will match your deposit up to 100 and the battle royales are really thriving in the streets pete i gotta mention it here as i always do every week badge bros guys getting bigger and bigger guests every week for me the big get every week is getting you and i feel like you know it's about even are you saying you're not have you booked a single when was the last time you had another guest i feel like you were booking some guests i had eric lindquist on in the beginning i just got lazy with it and also frankly like if you have guests that are boosting your channel up i'm not saying this about anybody in particular but if you have guests boosting your channel up you have to keep booking guests whereas if people start to watch you you know this from your channel like then they watch you and that's sort of a difference point that i've been trying to to identify for us we're going to agree to disagree about this uh, meta YouTube theory here uh, and just do this fucking draft. <laughs> well, Travis Kelsey going number one overall in underdog battle royales this week. Do you think that's the right move going against Jacksonville, a team that's given up a good amount of tight end production, good amount of pass game production? Is it a week, Pete, for you where you can't imagine playing another tight end? Uh, well, I can imagine playing other tight ends, but I do think it's the optimal 101, similar to how a few weeks back, you know, I thought Andrew should have been going 101 over those quarterbacks just because the ability on a slate like this, where, I mean, go to the, what's the other top tight ends after what's the next in ADP. I mean, you go from Kelsey to Hawkinson, you go, I mean, like, could Hawkinson have a 20 point game? Sure. But like Kelsey could legit put up 30 and basically have a 10 point gap on the next closest tight end here which just gives you a huge advantage in those scenarios where kelsey hits all right so we got Mahomes here we could take him unstacked and maybe grab the stack later as a way to leverage against kelsey derrick henry cooper cup i don't like i've taken nick chubb in some drafts anybody jumping out to you um yeah i'm pro i'm probably taking uh Mahomes there and just trying to build through this game just because there's a lot of other interesting pieces that you can do okay let's take Mahomes here at the five spot and we'll get another pick coming up in a few. And um, hmm. I don't, honestly, this week feels weird to me because I like Fields a good amount at a 12 ADP. He didn't like him when he was going in the first round of some drafts earlier this week. But I think Mahomes versus Fields feels like a tough choice to me. Yeah, I prefer I prefer Fields. Or sorry, Mahomes. Um, do we want to like, we're not going to be able to get ETN here. Um, obviously, there's other bringbacks you can do if we play a KC Jags stack. I'm probably taking ETN here, but... Um, 
I'm open to other ideas. Yeah, I don't love Derrick Henry. I think Nick Chubb is in a good spot, but I'm taking him enough. True. So let's build this game stack out for it. Let's say yeah. ETN. Um, <laughs> what was that? Oh, I was going to say, yeah. So my concern for fields here too is just, I think, you know, I think he's going to be, I think he's a good play. I, I, I should say that, but I think he's going to be overused relative to what, I think this game environment is going to be. And I think a, a little bit of it's colored with how much Miami speeds up games and allowed the bears to kind of get in an up-tempo shootout where I think we're going to see a lot more running and obviously fields can get it done running, but I just don't know if we're going to get the kind of back and forth that we did with the dolphins. And it almost feels like people are banking their hundred rushing yards from Justin Fields here in a point where I just don't know if I love this game environment that much. I think Fields puts up four touchdowns in this game. Like I think we saw four Aaron touchdowns that you yeah. should have a hundred percent of him if you think he's putting up four touchdowns. I will be playing a lot of Fields. I think playing him stacked, playing him with Cole Komet looks pretty appealing in this format. But we got Josh Jacobs, we got Amon Ross St. Brown, we got CD Lamb, we got Juju I, who's been on the upswing. I do Juju right because like sure we could take Hardman or or Tony with a late pick, but like if Mahomes is hitting, it's probably a double stack, and it probably means two guys. And Kelsey's having a quiet game and two of the wide receivers are going off. So would you force in two receivers for this build for us then? I don't think we have to force it in um, at all. But like, you know, I always like to get unique with the last pick uh, for Battle Royale. And so tacking on a Chiefs wide receiver that's probably not getting drafted in most of these seems seems fine. We do need to pay attention. I believe Miko Hardman didn't practice yesterday. Oh, that's interesting. That would open up probably some more Kadarius Sony stuff. Um, what do we want to do? Do we want to take Hawkinson and take an okay tight end? I'm okay to go another wide. Re I don't want to take the second tight. I would go like a Monra or CD or Cooper. Like all three of those guys project pretty well. I like a Monra. I mean, Chicago's yeah. defense also bad and certainly going to be worse with the guys they traded away. So I think a Monra, maybe a false flag last week with him not being that great, but he still had like nine targets the last two weeks. Yeah, so Miko Hardman, two days in a row of not practicing, just looked it up. It's a abdomen injury, so I don't think we should take him. And yeah, Kadaris, Kadaris could be a fun late flyer. I will give you, well, I'll save it to the last round. I think there's one guy who's going after 35.5 who I strongly believe will be a great DFS play that nobody's going to be on. Um, but now I'll tease that out for a second here. A lot of running backs going to this point. Jacobs, Cooks, Pollard. Um, is Zeke going? Is Zeke going to be available? Um, I, it sounds like he, he was back at practice. I believe I, I, I haven't heard anything indicating he's not going to play Pollard to me feels like a bit of a trap pick here at the 23rd overall. Yeah, that, that feels too rich. Yeah. I don't like that pick at all. Um, yeah, some other guys you could see on the screen here, who would be your bring back, I guess, besides ETN, would it be Christian Kirk for, if you were yeah. to stack up this chiefs game? Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm honestly not even opposed. I mean, this game has the best over under on the slate. Um, I know you start to get into a little dicey territory of like, you know, you need all of these guys to be going for 20 plus points to, to likely be in the optimal lineup, but I don't see any reason why if you're playing the Mahomes Juju shootout, why both ETN and Kirk couldn't get there. I'd also be down to take Amari if he falls like Amari should not be on the board here. Yeah, I think that Cleveland-Miami might be a, a shootout. Like, it has some potential, so I'm, I'm willing to take him here. I don't mind taking him as a one-off. Um, I don't think we have to force uh, a correlation there. Oh, this is going to kill my potential late-round receiver. So my late-round receiver is, I think, Cortland Sutton. I think this is the week that he explodes. Yeah. Um, but we, we're I now like going to take call. a tight end. Yeah. Uh, well, you could, you could leverage your own pick there and take Dolchich. 
Okay. I don't, I'm on that. Yeah. I'll go that way. Um, Tennessee so bad against deep balls and teams that they faced the last few weeks just don't take advantage of that enough. Um, the, the Chiefs, certainly, they were able to get pressure and kind of prevent that downfield. But when Mahomes did force it downfield, he was able to find some targets. So I think somebody from Denver's pass game goes off this week, and Dulcich could be him too. Yeah, uh, Dulcich projects pretty well. Uh, if there's one thing we know about this Broncos team, it's that Nathaniel Hackett loves uh, Dulcich. So it's always nice to know when you're not fighting against uh, upstream against a coach like we are with Kyle Pitts and Arthur Smith. GA pointing out a thing too that I think people might think about a lot when they see battle royales. Are you like, are you comfortable taking three receivers on the regular? Because we have seen two running backs, two receivers win a lot on there. Um, I don't know that that's actually going to be the case over the course of time. I think that's more because you have to get a floor in with running back. But do you have an aversion, Pete, to taking three receivers in a in a battle royale? No, not at all. It's very slate dependent, and it's when you look at the ceiling projections. Um, so the top, so they're like in for DFS purposes there's going to be six clear-cut top plays, and obviously that's uh, salary-dependent. you got Henry Barkley, Kamara Jacobs, ETN, and Damian Pierce. But when you look at, say, then the next grouping of running back ceiling and wide receiver ceiling, the wide receiver ceilings, the further you go down, like once the top eight running backs are off the board, the wide receiver ceilings that are available are actually higher than the available running back ones. So um, obviously if you're able to jam you know, three running backs – um, earlier, uh, I don't think the three running back builds are bad, but in general, and on this slate specifically, the wide receivers are going to give you a higher ceiling because you're going to end up looking at like a Juju who has, I see a ceiling projection of 22 versus like what the David Montgomery's, the Najee Harris's, the Jeff Wilson's, those are the equivalent, you know, running back 10 versus wide receiver tens. And those guys don't have the ceiling as the Amari, the Juju's, the Christian Kirk's up there. Okay. So yeah, no, I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. And to me overall, I think it's just that like right now you could win with a, a cashier lineup on battle Royales. Like obviously you still have to make some pivot points overall, but I think at a certain point it's going to be three receivers winning it because re receivers have the higher upside overall, uh, maybe a little bit tougher on a half point PPR site, but at a certain point, like you're going to find people able to hit those receivers more frequently. And I think that's as the game evolves, but that's my personal take either way, Pete, it's time for ride or die picks. Of course, guys hit the like button down below, leave a comment if you're watching after the fact, and of course, subscribe to the channel helps out a bunch here as we try to reshape the channel and the image of the number two splash play co-host of the year uh but pete we got our ride or die picks and willis puts so willis uh dm before the show saying that he didn't update the scores uh, all the way but he did seemingly update some of it I i'm noticing i have all zeros here and i don't think that's accurate because lazard did I, outscore Aaron I, I feel like he nailed it no no no, <laughs> no but that's that was my pick no, this is mine. Chris Fags outscore Alan Lazard outscores Aaron Jones. You had oh. Monra outscores Aaron Jones. Okay. I so mean, you might not, I you would not finish my picks yet. I think is the way that's going. Do you know what I? So, and this is the beauty of being in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. And I was peeping the uh, the drink chasing channel down below. I saw Willis had loaded up on beers. Said he had today off from work. So I absolutely love that. The reason Willis didn't get to this is he's not actually having to do work today. It's because he's hung over his shit. And he's like, "Fuck it, I'm not updating this." Is Willis a veteran? By today's Veterans Day. Is Veterans Day always been on a Friday, or am I insane? Uh, I don't think it's always been on a Friday. I think, isn't it always on November 11th? Or am I, am oh, I, was, I thought it was like a rotating Tuesday thing that, I don't know, that maybe got moved over the course of time. Shout out to the veterans it, though, right? We got a lot of veterans in the audience overall. I don't think Willis is a veteran. He's a, he's a veteran of the splash play, uh, accounting services, but, um, maybe he is. 
The veteran of many beers, apparently. Either way, ride or die picks, of course, the thing Pete and I do every week where we go game by game, give our hot takes for every single one of them, try to identify some showdown winning captains, some outlier performances overall. But Pete, tell the people what they can expect in this segment we're going to run through right now. Yes, this is, of course, our famous ride or die segment. You were talking about guests. We used to do this uh, with guests uh, previously, and then we got lazy or Andor Spax thought it was suboptimal for the channel's growth. But we are going to go game by game, and we are going to pick out any kind of wager. It could be fantasy. It could be DFS. It could be uh, a prop bet, sports betting, whatever. And then based on, let's say, the ballsiness of the pick, you'll be either rewarded one point, three point or 10 points, 10 points are your Hail Marys, long shot, sub 10% chance of hitting three points is more like a 33% chance of hitting. And then a one pointer is just the triple condom, 50% chance of hitting. And I don't believe you and I have done a one pointer in a long time. We sprinkle in maybe a three pointer every now and then, but we're, we're generally chucking it from half court for these Hail Marys. So on the year, I have not done a single thing that isn't a 10-pointer. So that's how I've been playing it. You've had one, like, one three-pointer a week, it looks like, but I don't think we've done a single one-pointer all year long. I like that. I mean, it would be – can you imagine if one of us – well, this is the thing that longtime viewers might remember is that Spags used to dink and dunk this, and I shamed him into getting more aggressive. Like, Spags would be like, oh, I think he has, like, a, a chance to go over his projection by two <laughs> points, so can I have that for a one-pointer? It's like, and I like glasses down slightly. Go, mm, I think he's got about a 10% chance here. And then uh, I got you to loosen up. And now it's a great segment. <laughs> so let's start it out. Let's go to Deutschland, Pete, where Seattle will face Tampa Bay. 21 implied points for the Seahawks. Tampa Bay, 23.5 implied points. Pete and I normally do not play the early morning showdown. But for all of our German viewers out there, Pete, tell them what they can expect in this game. <laughs> my German accent. What was that <laughs> German accent? Seattle and Tampa Bay are coming to town. Who should I play, Peter? Oh, I'm trying to like peg like what that actually is. It's uh, a melting pot of accents here. Um, All right, let's see. I think the Bucks are going to absolutely smash here. Um, And so I'm trying to figure out what bet I want to do. Um, Let's do something with... Are we? Do we want to do a showdown, Captain? Is that what we want to do for our yeah, island? Yeah, we can. We could do another bet if you want, like you know, Geno Smith throwing three picks or something. <laughs> okay, I, I am going to do Mike Evans showdown winning Captain. I finally, I think he finally connects on some of these deep balls here and has a massive game. Oh, FFDM, good Spags is what he says. Another great German impression by me. Um, <laughs> I will take a man. So revenge game for Tom Brady. His German ex-wife is going to be watching this one, I'm sure, near, dear to my heart. Tom Brady, showdown winning captain, Peter. No. no. Oh, this is, yeah, OG Mans fan might be right here. <laughs> a little too close. On the nose for that one. Kyrie Irving, loving my impression. Next game, the first one on the main slate. Minnesota, 19.8 implied points. Buffalo, 23.3 implied points. Seemingly, potentially, no Josh Allen. That looks like he is still in the stochastic projections. But Pete, what do you want in this game, the first one of the main slate? Yeah, um, this is going to be an interesting game here. Um, the line right now is three and a half, right? Uh, yeah, Yes, three and a half. So can I get... Minnesota minus six and a half for 10 points. 10 point yeah. swing on I mean, the I spread. Think that's a, yeah, it's a 10 point shift. That's that's the rule. I like it. All right. Minnesota minus six and a half. All right. I will say, hmm. 
So Justin Jefferson, I'm seeing with an 18.1 projection. Uh, Pete, if he had 28.1, would that be a 10-pointer? Hang on. Let me see what kind of fucking bullshit you're trying to pull right now. <laughs> well, oh, this is the stochastic projections. Uh, you can use the ETR ones. Yeah, I'm seeing 20.4, so over 30 for your 10-pointer. Okay, I'll take that. I think Justin Jefferson, people still think, obviously, it is a tough defensive matchup. They're giving up a 7% DVOA boost to wide receiver ones. Justin Jefferson, I think, certainly a wide receiver one, so hopefully he has an outlier day here. And that, Pete, we're correlating together. Um, I hate it. I don't want to. I want to directly leverage every one of your picks. So you can do that in this one. Houston, 18.3 implied points. New York Giants, 22.8 implied points. Um, I think I'm due to go first for this one. And, ooh, okay. Saquon Barkley, Millie Maker winning lineup despite, ooh, 20% ownership expected his way. Yeah, except he's playing the Texans who have been basically serving up Millie Maker winner spots on a silver platter here. Um, okay, I want to, yeah, I'm not touching Barkley. Fine, you can have that one. It's a good one. How Jamie can I Bruce leverage? He's going to be higher owned according to Stochastic. He's going to be 25% owned there projecting. Yeah, no, I, I'm seeing it. ETR has it at 33%. I mean, he's he's the best points per dollar running back on the slate. Um, so... I, I guess I get it from that I would not play both those guys in the same game. I know people, I know you're probably a little bit less opposed to that. I mean, you might even talk about that with Jam to win in a few hours. I think that's a bad move. If you're going to have 20% of the field on one guy and 30% on the other, just play one max. I think it, it kind of, I generally agree. Um, it depends on how a running back gets their points, right? Like if you think of like an Alvin Kamara or I don't know, if they're, if they're players who can speed up the game with a big run, like a, a Derrick Henry, then I'm more open to it. Like if you had Derrick Henry and Kenneth Walker playing against each other and like both could rip off 60 yard TD runs, I don't mind it. But if there's some of the like grind, grind the clock down running backs, then I don't necessarily love it as much regardless. Um, let's make a pick here. Let's um, all leverage yours in a way. And I'll say Daniel Jones is the one who ends up in the winning Millie maker lineup at 5,700. Okay. Interesting. Do you think he makes it with Barkley or, or would it be just him leveraging against them? I think uh, he would. I think if he rushes for 100 yards in a TD, I think he could end up being optimal. And, you know, if Barkley just has like a 100 yard, one TD game, catches a few balls, I could see him staying out of the optimal at that price. Okay. All right. Let's make up some time here. We got Cleveland 23 implied points, Miami 26.5 implied points. Pete, what do you want in this game? What's the over under on this one? 49 and a half. All right. 10 pointer over 59 and a half. Ooh, okay. I like that. That's a that's a nice little pick for you. Um, I will say uh Nick Chubb, I'm seeing projected at 15.5 fantasy points. I think he scores 25.5. I see 17.1. Okay, I'll take over 27 then. Over 27.1. Yep. Okay, I, I accept that. Willis, don't forget the point one. <laughs> The, the point one matters. Maker, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you're the co the host of the year on the <laughs> Jacksonville. 20.8 implied points. Kansas City 30.3 implied points. As Pete pointed out, this might be the shootout of the week. And um, oh boy, so DVOA according to DVOA, Jacksonville the worst in the league against tight ends. 31.5 percent. Pete, I'm going to say Travis Kelsey makes a Willie, uh, Millie Maker winning lineup. Uh okay. Uh, that's fine. Uh, 7,800 might be a little tough, but he could certainly do it if he puts up 30. I will say this, this, this has to be a 10 pointer. Um, I want to see even just how drunk this is. Uh, no, I think this is a fair 10 pointer. Jarek McKinnon outscores Travis Etienne. 
Ooh, okay, that's got to be a ten pointer, yeah. So split yeah, back field, yeah, that's fair. I think I could have bargained for a point, but you know we need to speed this up. <laughs> Detroit, 22.8 implied points. Chicago, 25.8 implied points. Um, I will go again first, Pete. I'll say Justin Fields, the million maker. I'm giving away the whole lineup, Pete. People are going to win a million dollars so easily. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're just, you're getting really lazy with these just million maker <laughs> right and left. Um, time making graphics. Justin in the chat, I almost did that. I kid you not. I almost did Sky Moore TD as, uh, as my bet. Uh, Do with it. this Cole Hardvid. Uh, Okay, let's quickly we'll we'll do double double picks for KC uh, Jags. I'm going to toss in Sky Moore TD. Okay, fair. All right, Detroit Chicago. What do you want? Um, well, what's your double pick? Oh, oh, we're doing double. Okay, so I have to do double pick too. Um, I will say no. Kansas City running back scores over eight fantasy points. Sure, I'll give you ten for that. Okay, thank you. All right, what do you want, Detroit um, Chicago? Even though, yeah, they didn't even fucking run the ball last game. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. No. Uh, sorry. I, I want to, I, I want to crush the dreams of this Justin Fields hopium. Can I get, uh, 10 points? Jared Goff outscores Justin Fields. Uh, yeah, it looks like about a nine of uh, fantasy point projection and uh difference overall. So I'll give you that. We normally Thank go you. for 10, but nine seems fair. Thank you. All right. Denver, we got seven, ooh, 17.5 implied points, Tennessee, 20.5 implied points. Pete, what do you want in this one? Um, let's see here. Uh, man, this game is going to be gross. I like, uh, I'll do a 10 pointer. Jerry Judy outscores Derrick Henry. Okay. I see All a right, 10 yeah. point spread in their projection. Yeah. I'm seeing that too. Uh, literally 10 on the nose for those guys. I will say Cortland Sutton outscores Derrick Henry then also a 10 point difference. God, just stealing my ideas, my creativity. <laughs> Although you did already do a Cortland Sutton tout during the battle royale. So I'll allow it. Okay, good. New Anna gets a leverage against you. Win-win. New Orleans, 21 implied points. Pittsburgh, 19 implied points. What do you want in this one, Pete, between teams with black uniforms? Um, very, very colorful way to set that up. <laughs> I am. I have been on the Kenny Pickett is going to look good train um, coming out of here. I'm going to I'm gonna pull a, a Spags. Um, I like this spot all around. I'm going to say, but I'll go George Pickens in the winning Millie maker lineup at 5k. Okay. That's yeah. That's an interesting one. Uh, certainly a bigger leap than I've made for my Millie maker winning picks. Um, I will say this game scores. So it's a 40 point over under. I will say this game scores under 30. Okay. Yeah, I, it's so funny you say that because the one I, I normally don't make a ton of like spread or, you know, over under bets. But the one bet I logged in to make was over 40 for this game because I'm a I'm a Kenny Pickett bull. I, I just feel like both teams are running the wrong way. But I, I agree with you. Pickett's going to have some good games on the stretch, I believe, especially with the target concentration being there. Indianapolis, 18.3 implied points. Las Vegas, 22.8 implied points. Oh, I think I'm due to go first in this one. Uh, Sam Ellinger scores over 20 fantasy points. Is that a 10 pointer? No, he projects for 16. Damn it. Uh, Sam Ellinger scores over 26 fantasy points. Then is what I will take. Yeah. And I should also mention as a public service announcement. So if you're in the hand builders and opto bros channel, because you're a YouTube member on my channel, I've been posting, I built out a prop screener and one of the most mispriced lines, and it feels so, so gross, is at least, and I'm just double-checking, it's still up currently, but they have Sam Ellinger's pass yards, yeah, it's still up, at 188.5, 
And the average projection across the industry is around 236 for his passing yards prop. So there's like almost 50 yards of value if you hate yourself enough to bet the over on Sam Ellinger's passing yards prop on underdog. Yeah, Vegas also 30% DVOA boost, according to Football Outsiders. A big dropback EPA boost as well. So that's why the Vegas defense, if you want to attack it, uh, Sam Ellinger stinks, but this could be the week he does it. But what do you want in this game, Pete? Um, Yeah, let's see here. Um, I feel like Matt Collins is just absolutely exploded um, whenever Hunter Renfro has been out of the lineup. I'll do a 10-pointer. Matt Collins outscores Devontae Adams. Okay. Arizona, 19.5 implied points. The Rams, 21 implied points. Uh, what do you want in this game of NFC West stalwarts, Pete? I'm going to do what you did for that other game and say this goes under by 10. And I believe we said it was 40 and a half. So under yep. 30 and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's a good bet. Um, I will say Cooper Cup scores less than 13.4 fantasy points because I'm seeing his projection at 23.4. Um, let me see. Yeah, I see. I have it at twenty three point three, and by I, I mean Leone. Uh, yeah, under thirteen point three for. Or, oh, what, did what did you say? Over. What did you say? Over thirty three point three. What was that? Over thirty three point three. Uh, no, under, 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 under thirteen point three. Under thirteen point three. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah that's uh, fair. Dallas twenty three point eight implied points. Green Bay nineteen point three implied points. Uh, Pete, what do you want in this one? Ugh, this game is gonna suck. I'm just telling you right now, this game is going to be brutal. Um, let's see. I will say I want I want unders. Uh, what's the over under on this one? It is at 43. All right, I'll take under 33. Okay, I will say. You know what? Fuck you. I'm going to go over 53. Then let's go shootout with Dallas and Green Bay. I can't wait for this to land right on 43 wait. and just be a push. Would Zeke two touchdowns have been a 10 pointer? Yes. I'll give you two touchdowns for Zeke. You know, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have that Zeke two touchdowns. There <laughs> I don't you think he's going to score that much. Well, um, you're such a running back pig these days. Continue. I am. I'm going to scarf him up. Chargers Sunday night football, 19 implied points. The Niners going against them. 26 implied points, seven point favorite at home for the Niners. Who would be your showdown winning captain, Pete? Wow. Uh, and it doesn't sound like they're for sure. Not going to have Mike Williams. Uh, it sounds like they're not going to have Keenan Allen. I'm, you're probably going to pick your your running back, Piggy, uh, and Austin Eckler, right? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I will say, I think Debo's going to be back. Let's say uh, let's say Debo Samuel, winning showdown captain. Okay, if not, you didn't take Austin Eckler, I feel like it would be the wise move to do it, but I won't do it. Josh Palmer, showdown winning captain. Oh, good luck with that. <laughs> All right, Pete, people can go check you out on SiriusXM. They can also join the Deposit Kingdom. There's a link in the description to do that to get Pete's uh, VIP showdown crams along with all the other content. You got JM to win coming up in a few hours. What else do you want to plug? Yep, uh, Sirius uh, XM 11 to 1, JM 2 to 3, and then hopping in the Deposit Kingdom Discord with the Badge Bros uh, around 3.15 today, uh, uh, chopping it up, drafting some Battle Royales picking their brain about optimal battle Royale strategy for this week. And, uh, and then I'll be back Sunday morning for my uh, GPP cram. All right. So follow Pete at Peter Overzet. Of course, subscribe to the channel, hit the like button and comment. If you're watching after the fact, of course, we'll reply to you in the comments down below. Follow me at Chris bags. Come back Monday through Thursday at 2 PM every day. I'm going to force myself to go on here. Mondays and Thursdays are going to be showdown days. Tuesdays and Wednesdays will be other assorted content you've seen in the last few weeks, but come back for that one and come back next Friday for me and Pete guys. But otherwise enjoy your weekends. Happy veterans day to all the veterans out there and good luck. Mm -hmm.